Hello, 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 and welcome to The Host by Tori Show, a podcast that is focused on normalizing a zero-proof forward lifestyle and having you live boldly and mindfully. Today, you have me, Tori, where I'm talking about my relationship and journey with alcohol, my time in New York and San Francisco, how I started my sober curious journey and why I don't define as that anymore, the beginning of Make My Mocktails and the gray area, and how I'm inspiring you. You can change, you can evolve, and you can rethink your relationship with alcohol. And there's so much more to come with solos, guests, and listener Q&As. So excited for you to dive in. Let's go. All right, my story with alcohol. So my journey with alcohol really started in college. I went to TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, Shout out Horn Frogs. I didn't really drink in high school because I was a competitive swimmer and just did not have time for that. And so when I went to TCU, I joined a sorority as one does and was heavily involved in the going out and drinking scene related to that. Nothing unusual. I I like to go out. I like to party and drink with my friends. (laughs) Pretty typical college experience, I would imagine. After college, I moved to New York and was very, very excited to be in New York. I had interned there the summer before. I was working at JP Morgan, where that was basically my dream job. I got it pretty late senior year, and I was living with two of my best friends, and it was first job, right? First job in the city. I was in a big training group where I met my now fiance, Cam had made a ton of friends, and we had the best time. This is when I really started to get into, honestly, the restaurant and bar scene more heavily. For your reference, I am someone who has to have a side hustle at all times, for better or for worse. And so in college, my friend Sarah and I started an Instagram called College Girl Eats. Very catchy. We honestly built it to be pretty big for what it was at the time. This was like 2015 and we had 20,000 plus followers. Mind you, this was before stories, before reels. This was purely like the food porn posting time and era. And we honestly crushed it. When we graduated college, I went to New York and we decided not to kind of change the handle and we weren't going to be out of college continuing this college girl eats handle. So it kind of dissolved. And what I found in New York was that New York has some of the most high quality restaurants in the entire world. And you are able to get information on them through Eater, Infatuation, so many other websites, right? And then you have the reservation apps, Open Table, Resi, Talk. But it was really hard to get in to these restaurants. And as someone who is a type A planner, I always wanted to know where we are going during the weekends. And so I would be the one staying up until midnight making the reservation. I was seeking out the cocktail bars. I knew all the speakeasies, the new wine place that opened up, Danny Myers, this and that. Like I was on top of it. And this resulted in me going out to restaurants many times per week, drinking many times per week. And when I think back to it, it was kind of crazy how I was operating my life. I would wake up at 5 a.m., go work out, get to work by 7.30 a.m., 
work, go out <laughs> or come out of work, either go home and chill or go to a restaurant, drink, go to bed at 10 or 11, wake up at five again. And that was kind of on repeat, honestly, for the first three years that I was there. But I created this separate brand that was how to get into the best restaurants in New York, how to get in, whether that's through reservation, whether you can walk in, if you have to put your name on the list, where do you go nearby? I wanted to be the expert in this field. And it's important to note this expert piece because this is going to come up again when I talk more about drinking in a little bit. But I was known for how to get in anywhere. And it was a feeling that I craved being like wanted by people to help them out. And I loved having this specific expertise and niche. I left New York in April 2019. So I was there for about three years to start a new job in San Francisco. And luckily, one of my best friends was also moving to San Francisco. And so we moved in together. San Francisco is very different than New York in the sense that there are so many other activities people are interested in that the food and drink scene is still big, but it's definitely not the scene of New York in the sense that that's really what people do to go out. People in San Francisco are going to the farmer's market. They're going on a hike. They're doing a 50-mile cycle with some of their friends. It's just a very different vibe in terms of what you are doing on your weekends or even weeknights, frankly. Still a bunch of high-quality restaurants, just very different in terms of how people are going to them. And so I still sought out all the restaurants. I would make reservations. I would invite my friends. I was doing long distance at the time with Cam, but when he would come, we would hit up all of those spots. There were great wine bars, great cocktail bars. And again, I wanted to be known and valued as someone who was really into the scene, who really know where to go if you went to San Francisco. At the time, my job was a little bit more demanding. So I didn't really have any other quote side hustle or type thing, but I still felt like I had the expertise of someone to go to if you were going out in San Francisco and needed insight. I was there for about a year and COVID hit. And that was a weird time for everyone, obviously. But Cam moved to San Francisco and we started our life together, both working from home, which was fun. But we wanted something to look forward to during the end of the week, just because we were working from home. We were pretty cooped up. Honestly, San Francisco was locked down for a while. And so we implemented Cocktail Friday, where we had a whole list of cocktails to make that we wanted to make. And we would do a new one each week. We would document it and we would call it Cocktail Friday and honestly coin the phrase. And people knew that when they came over on a Friday, they were going to be there for Cocktail Friday. Like it was a thing. And it was fun. It was really fun. But fast forward to November of 2021. And this was when I dove into my sober, curious journey. I ultimately just didn't feel as though alcohol was serving me the way I wanted it to. I was not feeling good mentally. I was not feeling good physically. I would be laying on the couch on Sundays, not wanting to do anything, not wanting to make the best decisions, not having the mental clarity I wanted. And I felt like it was affecting me in a lot of pieces of my life. And so I decided to take a break. And this felt like a really big decision. I remember the next weekend or thinking about the next weekend and thinking that I don't really know if there's a week or weekend I had taken off drinking ever, honestly. 
And what was I going to do? What was I going to drink? I didn't know about any of these non-alcoholic spirits at the time. And this was kind of the kickoff. And so and so I remember getting a text from my dad before we went home from Thanksgiving to my brother and me saying, we have a bunch of great wine to drink. You know, Can't wait for you guys to come down here. And so I texted him on the side and I said, hey, I'm taking a break from drinking. Just like want you to respect that. And not that he wouldn't, but I come from a family who is a big hosting family. We're big entertainers. And drinking is honestly a focal point at a lot of those gatherings. We have a keg in our cabana in our home in Scottsdale. There's a ton of liquor always available, always wine, part of different wine clubs. And so it's it's just commonly been something that's been a focus for our family. And so the holidays passed. I you know, just drank some sparkling water, felt great, didn't really miss it that much. I think I was riding a little bit of the high of how good I felt and went into the new year really wanting to make a more permanent change. But I felt as though alcohol was a piece of my identity that I wasn't going to be able to let up, frankly. I was the one who was known as making the spicy marks for the group. I found the great cocktail bars. I made the reservations when we would go up to Napa when we were in San Francisco. Without that, like who was I? And what did I stand for? And it sounds dramatic, right? It sounds really dramatic. But to me, I had had, I built up all this expertise in, in the restaurant and bar scene that it felt as though this expertise was my identity. And without that, I didn't know who I was. Like, how do you define who you are? Is it what you stand for? Is it your job? Is it your family and your values? Is it who your friends are? I honestly still don't even know. It's wild. I talked to my therapist and she she was like, well, why does the expertise have to be alcohol? I mean, you're still known for the restaurants. Why don't you become the mocktail expert? And I heard that and I completely ran with it. I dove so deep and like anything I do, I went full steam ahead in terms of being the mocktail expert. And honestly, it's been really, really rewarding that pivot in terms of where I am now. The first plan of action was to make a social media like one does. And so make my mocktails, my first baby was born. The intention with this was to really figure out, can you make really delicious non-alcoholic cocktails? And if so, why are more people not doing this? Like, I know it's become much more popular over the past year or so, but it still feels like a pretty foreign concept. It feels like, okay, non-alcoholic options are Diet Coke, sparkling water, or like a sugary mocktail. But that's definitely does not need to be the case. And so as someone who historically had been very interested in mixing or mixology, I felt like I could do the same with some of these non-alcoholic spirits. I found Gia, which I absolutely love. It is my favorite to this day. And Seedlip was another one that it has amazing branding, really great flavors, none of the extra gunk. And I could make really delicious mocktails in chilled coops with a jalapeno garnish. And I thought to myself, like, do I want the alcohol or do I just want a really cool drink and a garnish and a fancy glass? And a lot of the time, frankly, it was just a really cool drink and a fancy glass. And so this platform, Make My Mocktails, which I mean, is not big, but 
I wanted to have an outlet that I could share this idea of making drinking fun without alcohol, like put, taking the stigma away from what non-alcoholic drinks are, what they're perceived to be. And so there were weekends where I had plenty of mixers and glasses and drinks all over the kitchen, just experimenting, filming, editing, posting. And it was really fun for me. But this shift in how I was drinking was way easier at home. And so I want to talk about the at-home experience versus going out because I think this is something as I was as I was going through my sober curious journey is something that I continue to struggle with. And I can even struggle with it to this day, honestly, in the sense that the at-home experience is so much better. You can buy non-alcoholic spirits, aperitifs, beers, wines, and you're able to participate in the act of drinking with people when you're able to control it. When you have those options, you have the glassware, you have the garnishes. But when you go out, you maybe don't. There might be some places that have really great non-alcoholic cocktails, but you could be at a dive bar and they look at you like you have eight heads if you ask if they have anything non-alcoholic. Or you go to a brewery and they have no NA beers, they have no non-alcoholic options except for maybe water. And that's hard. That feels harder for me personally. And I struggled with that at first. Like, I don't like some of these same activities that I used to do because they're not as enjoyable for me without the drinking alcohol, because that's the act. That's what people are doing. That's the event. And so I had a bit of a reframe on what I like to do and what inspired me. And I didn't want to revolve my life around alcohol, frankly. But when I took a step back, I looked at how so many things that I was doing in my life were a part of alcohol. And so this participation piece of it is something that I think is has to be acknowledged because it's becoming more popular. There's been more distribution around bars and and bottle shops having these types of options, but it can still be tricky. It can still be hard. And you can feel like you're not able to participate with your friends. And that social aspect is the one that I hear the most from people on them feeling as though they can't stop drinking. They can't take a break. They can't be more mindful because of the social component to it. And we, I mean, we could do a whole deep dive on there. And to be completely honest with you, like I sometimes miss the old life of drinking more And there are activities that Cam and I used to do that we just don't do anymore. We used to be members at a winery and we're not. We used to taste wine together. We don't do that anymore. And so it's nostalgic to look back on, but it's also something that, you know, can be can be tricky and, you know, it isn't easy. So I want to talk about where I've gotten to with my sober curious journey, because I think the the sober curious component of it is just a point in time. It allows you the experimentation to see what a life would look like not revolving around alcohol. And how I've come out of it is someone who is now a mindful drinker, who is zero proof forward, and I'll explain that in a bit. But I do think some people think, oh, if I go through this sober, curious journey, I have to maybe become sober, and that feels so daunting. And I don't want it to feel daunting at all, like it shouldn't. It could be that, oh, maybe you're a more mindful drinker coming out of it. Maybe you know your limits on drinking. Maybe you know certain times of day that are better for drinking. It's just more around experimenting with these different types of activities. And so when I was going through it, because I'm so competitive with myself, I 
at one point had like 60 days, two months of not drinking. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Two months not drinking. I feel great. But I was craving a frozen margarita. And I told myself that I didn't want it because of this streak. And I'm not sober and I don't have restrictions. So like, why was I doing that to myself? And that that was the moment where I took a step back and I was like, what is my relationship with alcohol? It is a gray area, but I want to be way more intuitive with it because this is my life. And like, you have one life and I'm not sober. And so I should allow myself the freedom to be intuitive with drinking when I want it. But the you know majority of the time I... I don't because I know how it makes me feel. And that's where we got to zero proof forward. Zero proof forward means that you live a life that, you know, the majority of the time you're not drinking because of how it makes you feel both physically and mentally, the clarity, the not having foggy memory, the no headache the next day, you know, being able to prioritize the things that you want to. I love that. But I also want to have a drink when I want it. I want a glass of champagne at our wedding. I want an Aperol spritz in Portugal. And maybe I want a frozen margarita from time to time. And I should allow myself to do that, right? Like I shouldn't be putting these boundaries on myself for me personally, because I'm not sober. And allowing myself the freedom to now be intuitive with drinking, to be zero proof forward has been a game changer because Now I have this like framework of how I think about alcohol and I can truly, truly be more intuitive with it. And sometimes I have it and I'm like, eh, it wasn't as good as it sounded maybe. And that's okay, right? Like that's fine. I recognize that. And there are other times where I might say no because I know it's going to make me feel pretty crappy even though I might want it and that's okay too. But it's more around having the authority and allowing myself the freedom to explore my relationship with it. And so that's where I am. I'm now at a place where I feel really, really good about how I'm able to make decisions about alcohol. And what I'm trying to do is inspire you to do the same. Take the time to figure out your relationship with alcohol if you want. I mean, this community, if you drink, I do not care. If you're looking to take a break from drinking, I do not care. If you don't drink at all, I do not care. I just want to create community with you and inspire you to maybe think about a life that doesn't center around alcohol. Maybe try a mocktail. See how delicious some of these non-alcoholic drinks can be. And maybe they change how you think about drinking. And I've heard from a lot of you that you don't know if you can do it because of how you are as a person. You're the fun one. You're the partier. You drink a lot and you go out and you have fun and people know you as that. So you can't change. And that's just not true. If you want to change, if you want to take a break, if you want to be more mindful, you can evolve as a person. Who you were 10 years ago and who you will be 10 years from now should not be the same, right? You should change. You should learn and grow and be someone different and evolve over time. Like nothing should be necessarily stagnant, right? And I did it to an extent. I was the person that people knew as a drinker and an expert in making drinks and finding the great bars. And now I still know a lot of them and a lot of them have mocktails and a lot of them have non-alcoholic drinks and there's great restaurants and I can still be that expert. I can still provide some of that insight, but it's just different, right? I've, I've evolved in part of that. And so 
this is really where I want to go with the podcast over time is that I want to talk to people who are living boldly but mindfully about how maybe you don't have to revolve your life around alcohol and how other people are doing the same. And I want to hear from you. I want to build community. I want to bring back events. And and kind of more importantly, I want to reimagine the word host. It's the Host by Tori show. I think that there's this thought around hosting and entertaining and parties that has to be revolve around alcohol or what alcohol is served. And like, let's change that narrative. Let's debunk that. That does not need to be the case. We can have dinner parties with non-alcoholic drinks. We can have dinner parties that have both options, but it's really around bringing people together, right? It's around bringing people together and having conversation and building long-lasting relationships. But why does it matter if alcohol is in someone's hand versus not? And that's what I want to change. And that's what I want to talk more about. So you're going to be hearing more about this. I'm excited to talk more about this and we're going to have fun. I'm glad you're here and welcome to the party. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so excited to continue the conversation with a bunch of guests that we have coming up. So if you have not already, please subscribe, and if you are willing to rate and review, you know how much that helps podcasters who are especially starting out. I would greatly appreciate it, but I will see you next week. Can't wait.